Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of The Grove, which is a filmmaking podcast where we share our experiences, stories, and knowledge from both on and offset. We like talking about business, processes, and gear. I'm V, producer and co-owner of Orange Video, which is a commercial video production company based in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Ethan, co-owner and cinematographer here at Orange. Let's dive in. As everyone does their best thinking in the shower, I too was sitting in the shower one evening, not sitting, I don't sit in my shower, I'm not weird. I was standing in my shower. We just came off of a, uh, a presentation we'd given at FSU for the digital media production school class. Yeah, the, the program I graduated from in 2016. Okay, so we just come off of that. We're high on life. <laughs> we just come off, off giving that presentation. Um, and I was thinking like we have, while we might not know everything, we we have some knowledge. We've been there, done that to some extent in this. We're definitely still learning something new every day. Um, but I figured it might be fun to at the very least capture some stories and share some I don't know, just some some fun back and forth, some some jokes, some a little bit of knowledge if we have it to share, um, and just I don't know, kind of figure out more things of this fun business that we get to do as we go. I literally got into the office this morning, and Ethan approached me with his podcast idea and said, "Hey, we're gonna film, we're gonna record this right now." So we got to it. Um, all right. So anyway, I think we're gonna start our way back in the beginning because that presentation at DMP inspired me. And we can kind of go back and forth and you can pose the question back to me, but I'm tell everyone kind of how you got involved in film, how you got started, where you got your first camera, like what, what gave you a passion for film? So my background is not as traditional as other people. I think um, growing up, I've always been interested in technology gear um, because that wasn't necessarily readily available at the time. Um, that was more of like, uh, you read about it in the magazines. Like I remember getting a Dell magazine and building my dream computer, um, knowing that I would never afford one. Like it was $600. I was like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy money that would, I would never afford one. And I would get the same magazines for cameras and I would look at it and say, I could never afford one. But at the time my dad, we didn't have a lot of money, but he would always have a VHS camera, a VHS camera to like record home movies and um, record events or record, you know, important milestones. And so we had that laying around and uh, my brother and I, who my brother was younger, we all, we always messed with it. We always picked it up and shot little short films with it. Um, and I was always interested in the art of filmmaking, though I never really got into it at a young, young age. I really got into filmmaking in high school, actually, towards my sophomore year when we were um, we had to choose between learning Latin or filmmaking, and so I went the filmmaking route and really had the knack for it. Um, going back to you know my going back to being a little kid in elementary school, um, messing with the camera, going to middle school where we were getting like little mini digital cameras and, and me making short films out of it, um, and then eventually get into high school where filmmaking was available as an elective. So that was where I, I figured that. I should try it out. My teacher helped me apply for FSU Film School, which was, um, you know, still to this day, one of the most prestigious film schools in our nation um, in the U.S. I interviewed and I was rejected ultimately. And that kind of ended my high school career. I ended the high school career on that high of a note. And going into college, I just started doing computer engineering, um, electrical engineering routes. I tried the engineering, hated it, and was still interested in filmmaking. Um, and my guidance counselor at the time told me to check out digital media production, which is like filmmaking's um, little brother. 
we yeah. sorry, it was a it was a communication um, degree, but it had video courses, filmmaking courses built into it. So it was video centric, but at the end of the day, it was still a communication style degree, not necessarily a filmmaking degree. But yeah, that kind of that kind of gets you up to speed with everything. And you know, along the way, you know, don't get me wrong. Even though I'm really nonchalant about filmmaking, um, back in my early days, I was still really into it. You know, I was like, you know, you were the, I was a high school kid that was like super passionate in filmmaking. I was the one that was technical and all the camera stuff. People came to me when they had questions or um, wanted to film something. Like I was a guy for it, you yeah, know? You're like making some really weird stuff back then. Yeah. We shot a lot of PSAs. We shot a lot of um, Fruit Ninja was on the rise. So we did a real life Fruit Ninja oh, um, promo. I haven't seen this. So yeah, we did a lot of stuff back then and a lot of fun stuff, but a lot of weird stuff. But yeah, that kind of brings you up to speed about on my career. What about you, Ethan? Yeah, um, I I had started in the stills world. Um, I had a Canon Rebel T2. It was a 35 millimeter film camera. Uh, I love shooting on that. We had a family friend growing up who um, was a professional photographer. And I, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world since I was a little interested in cameras and photos. He, I think he photographed boats like professionally for magazines and stuff. Um, but so he gave me a little bit of advice when I started like, hey, just like go out and just shoot a lot. Like don't be worried about running out of film. Like shoot, shoot as much as you can. Like that's what's going to make you better. Um, so of course I was out there with a little film camera blowing through some rolls of film you went paying for it yeah i know so um so it was nice i i had a lot of bad shots i had a few ones that i like you know pictures of flowers pictures of birds in my backyard pictures of squirrels um one of my favorite things was trying to capture like hummingbirds i i can remember sitting there with like a a remote trigger or like trying to connect the camera to the to the um the computer and then triggering it from inside when i saw a bird so some fun stuff it kind of really nerdy kind of kept me going. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. You know, I, I started with the film camera. I graduated to a Canon Rebel T3, T2i, XSI. I wasn't even in the T's, dude. An XSI. That's a digital camera? It was digital camera. There was no video, um, no video yet. I, you know, so that got me into the digital world, at least. I think all throughout this is when I also developed a, a real passion for music and audio recording. Um, this is something that I think got me more into the mindset of like, perfection because we'd sit there me and my brother you know we, we put our money together and bought pro tools 10 pro tools 11 that's software yeah yeah pro tools that's like the industry standard well mm. and industry standard um for audio recording you know multi-tracking bands and that kind of stuff so i was really into that we were both my brother and i were musicians so you know we would record stuff and we always sought perfection so i guess that was kind of well-rounded and i wanted to better myself in photography too and so after after high school, I got my first job working at a, uh, uh, a photography studio. I don't know. It was the same people who go and do all the yearbook photos and stuff. And so we would go out and, you know, do all the rinse and repeats for all the, the kids grade, I don't know, K through 12, I guess. Um, and it was some boring stuff, but I definitely got to learn a lot more about lighting and stuff that I had not previously. Taking a step back in high school, you know, I, I wasn't really interested in, in film, wasn't interested in video. But as an elective, I didn't have the option to choose like you. I wish I could have chose foreign language or film. That would have been awesome. But um, I definitely still had to take my Spanish. No, there was still a foreign language, but they counted. They counted film as your foreign language? <laughs> no, no. It was between um, Latin or filmmaking as a sixth subject is what they called it in IB. And so 
I guess people, I was taking Spanish at the time still. Oh, Everybody else was taking Spanish. Oh. But people were taking Spanish and Latin. Gotcha. Okay. So like you a were dead one, language. You were in one of them smart schools, an IB program. I went to a poor school and they brought IB to us. And I was just one of the, <laughs> the poor kids there that was like, that was that benefited from the, okay. the rich people taking over. But anyways, that's a different okay. story. Gentrification in schools. It was awesome. So so anyway, I, I had the TV production in high school. I wasn't really that passionate about it, but um, I at least applied myself. And that's where I met uh, one of our good friends, I movie's mean, good friends today, Corey Crumpacker. He's doing unbelievable things in the film world out in uh, Texas right now. Um, but so... Yeah, me, me and him were kind of like the only people who were really, really applied ourselves to the projects. You know, it was, I, I guess the the class was most helpful in learning the basics of editing. Um, we we would put together the like the weekly news for the Wolf Center thing for our high school. Um, and that was fun. And we got to do a, a couple of creative projects. But um, but all in all, like we still, you know, we we're on mini DV film cameras, little camcorders that automatic setting automatic exposure white balance you know we didn't we didn't light anything we didn't have lights available to us we just went out and shot stuff and had fun and and maybe that started to develop some passion in film but i I never really thought they could be a career but yeah so then so then back to the the stills photo i'm I'm working at swi after high school taking you know taking yearbook photos everyone um like i said it was those rinse and repeats that were boring and we didn't have much creative freedom at all but we did get to have some creative freedom in the studio you know we could we could stay after hours and um utilize the the studio and uh i that's where i met another one of my friends tyler babin um who was very passionate about photography you know that's where we learned a lot about lighting and stuff and how to utilize you know a key and an edge and a kicker and you know bringing up ambient and make sure you have the right ratios and stuff and so um me and him you know we're you know we followed some photographers online and we're really interested in stuff they were doing but at that point i still wasn't really interested in the film world until uh after college I studied graphic design, didn't care for it that much. And then I got hired through some connections at a media production film company in town. Okay. So why, why did you make the switch from a photography job to a, you know, filmmaking video production job? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I did skip over a few things. I guess in between that time, I, uh, I did get hired at my church and I was the production director, I think we'll call it. Um, but I would do special projects and video, um, like just cause I had a little bit of experience. Um, I would help out the video team and that's where I met my wife. She was working on that video team as well, the creative arts team. So I, I started to, I don't know, at least figure out how to make a slightly more professional looking videos. We at least got to utilize some lighting and stuff with that. Um, so, you know, I could take from my photography background at that point and apply that to video. And I thought that was cool. Still wasn't completely sold on the whole film thing. I didn't have a passion for film or anything, but it, it, I think it opened up my eyes and opened up my, my world to what it could be. And so, yeah, like I said, you know, I got hired at a media production company in town here where I know we've talked about this before, but I was essentially just like a glorified PA, you know, I, it was, it was a small crew of people. It was me and the two owners basically. Um, you know, so a typical shoot would literally just be, me and the shooter. The other guy was an editor. You guys filmed a lot of corporate style yeah, videos. Yeah, filmed a lot of corporate stuff. Um, not a whole lot of commercial stuff. It was a lot of web. But, you know, the cr- I basically was the crew. Like, the, the DP was also the producer and director a lot. Sometimes there'd be an agency producer. We'd go out there and set up, you know, a one-by-one Astra uh, key light and then, uh, you know, one-by-one Astra kicker. Um, you know, not really have any extra diffusion or anything on those, just let them be, you know, it was more about getting the levels up 
And we you got the job done. Yeah, got the job done. We, you know, we were able to create some depth with what we had. We weren't, it wasn't just like, I don't know, it, it was different than ENG style, but, you know, it was kind of a, a mixture between ENG and being efficient and just doing what you had to do to see the people and also trying to make it look good with what we, with what we had. You know, we, we, we had plenty of lights available, but I think that company's MO was more of efficiency. You I mean, know, you make your money. They're doing that way. Yeah. You know, just staying efficient, staying lean um, onto the next thing. And, you know, I really respect that type of style. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I definitely learned, um, developed some more basics of lighting, especially for film at that point. And I, I did get to experiment some, um, you know, I'd get to jump on camera, be more of cam op. And, you know, maybe if we were doing eight interviews in a day, I'd help set up, you know, I'd, I'd kind of set up two or three of those interviews, you know, um, at least, you know, flipping, flipping camera access and stuff, flipping keys and making everything still look good. So, um, so that was nice, but essentially I, I was just burned out because I, I felt like I wasn't able to be creative. I wasn't able to like, I don't know. I didn't really have the opportunity to really understand what I was doing and to grow in it. It was more of just following direction. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I felt the same way. Let me, let me bring up to speed on my, my, like, ooh. Where we where would we leave off with mine? So, um, kind of similar stories. I was while I was in school, I worked at a car dealership as their lead video producer. And like I said, in the past, and many people, I replied to a Craigslist ad. That's how I found this job. So Craigslist was, can't believe. Like I haven't heard Craigslist in so long, dude. Yeah, but during that time, I don't know, it was 2015, 2016. Craigslist is probably still popping to this day. I don't know. Facebook Marketplace has taken over. But anyways, I applied to a um, a, fa- a Craigslist ad, and um, the ad was for a um, a video producer to help them manage their YouTube channel and to organize their growing YouTube channel that they've had in the past. I think they had a videographer in the past before me. But anyways, I came to them with a with a goal and a spreadsheet of all their videos already organized in my new spreadsheet that I made for them. And I was hired pretty much on the spot and started that same week. And so during school, I was... I worked at the video producing uh, as a video producer for that uh, dealership and also going to school. And during school, I learned uh, I was a part of a lot of sports broadcasting. So football, football, baseball and basketball was a lot of what I did. So if I wasn't cam opping, I was helping in the behind the scenes in the in the operating room or the replay room. I was operating audio. And there's there's some jobs that are more fun than others. There's some that you just sit there for the two and a half hour game and you do nothing. There's some that are more involved like camera operating which is really involved and you have to be really good at what you did or you could be i know you i hear the story about you rolling the cables on the basketball court you could roll cables and if you don't know what you're doing you get yelled at by the referees and by your camera operator shout out to mike kozlenko who's (laughs) one of my best friends now but my very first job was to roll cables for um, that hot shot who was really good at camera operating but i was really bad at rolling cables so I remember going on the basketball court, not being able to roll the cables up in the right way and getting yelled at by the referee. So I picked up all the cables in a pile and I just threw it off the side and got, got it done. Got to so, get it done. Yeah. So that was one of the most scary experiences of my life. Um, and then once I graduated from digital media production, um, I asked the dealership to hire me onto their agency firm, which is an agency, a marketing agency that was... Um, that was a part of the dealerships out of necessity that they needed their own agency, but that agency also took on clients outside of the the, the dealership. So I worked with them and I led their video production team. And at the end of it, we had about three people um, on that team. And so I, you know, was a one man band for the, when I first started off, we did a lot of corporate interviews. We did a lot of B-roll. Um, it was just me right before I joined, I bought and purchased my own C100, Canon C100, which was like that, 
I don't know, that fat camera, the cinema camera that only does one thing and doesn't even do that well, which is record video. <laughs> it's a nice form factor, though. I love the form factor, but yeah, 1920 uh, by 1080p was the highest record, and it shot it out in, in an AVC HD format, which destroyed your computer. Uh, eventually, I went to a Ninja, so I can record output to that. But anyways, I did a lot of that for a long time, and then I got burnt out after about two years of working at the agency. I felt like... You know, I couldn't be as creative as I as I wanted to be. I felt like I was just clocking in hours and just doing, you know, they wanted me to do kind of bare minimum. I wanted to push the boundaries a little bit more. But at the end of the day, there were budgets and there weren't big budgets there, what we were doing. And so I was kind of dreaming bigger than what we had allotted. So tell me more about a little bit more that, uh, I don't know, while you were in that that agency, you I know you said you started out, you were one man banding it, um, but you've also... I know uh, one of the other guys would come in and shoot for you. So I'm like, what, what were your roles at that point? Were you, you know, were you still kind of overseeing everything? Were you just producing? Like, were you like, what, I don't know. Tell, tell me more about that. I mean, at the, um, towards the end of it, we had, we hired another person, um, one or two other people, but I remember one person, Cody Gann, who was also um, in di- digital media production. Um, and we're good friends to this day, but we, um, I recommended them to hire him and he came on as a camera operator. Like he was really good at, he was very technical. He had the shoulder rig. He, he brought his own stuff. So he was really good too. But at that time I was still producing everything. Cause I felt like I had the skill set. And I knew our clients and I knew what we needed to do. I had the vision. I came up with the storyboards, the shot lists, the scripts and whatnot. And we came, went out there and I still oversaw most of the shoots. Yeah. So were you, were you able to, to step back from the camera roll completely? Were you, were you full producer? I think, um, no, I was able to step back and which was, that was kind of where I wanted to be was, you know, like I love shooting. Uh-huh. I love the camera stuff and I love all the technical stuff. But at the end of the day, I knew that my forte wasn't cinematography, even though I really wanted it to be. I really wanted to be as good as like the Mike Kozlenko or I wanted to be, you know, a hotshot DP. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was good, but just good enough, not like extraordinary. So I knew I needed to f- start figuring out where, who can I find this extraordinary? Um, and so, you know, Cody came on and he cam opt and we, we worked together in that way. But that was my first time I was able to, able to step back and really like, shape the production, but not be hands-on with the camera. Okay. You, you were still kind of given a little bit of direction on lighting though. And you were still getting your, your lighting style across, right? Yeah. And I think at that time I was still, when I called Cody a cam op, I mean, he was kind of that, like I still came up with the lighting. I was still DP in a way where I came up with the lighting styles. I told him where, you know, how I wanted things lit, what levels and what ratios mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I, my style came across, um, you know, it might not have been the best style, but it was my style <laughs> and I wanted him to uh, like kind of follow that formula. Sure. Yeah. Hey, if it had worked for y'all in the past then why change it? So anyway, after that, uh, I know you you left that agency and then you you started freelancing. I went straight freelance. Diving into that was kind of scary because um, I didn't know what that was like. I didn't know that I was going to be a video producer or wanted to be a producing um, on a producing capacity. But as soon as I dove into that, it was more of a one man band. A lot of videographer style like jobs, right? So you show up with a camera, you shoot something, you edit together a promo or you recap an event and you do a lot of that. And as, as those kind of jobs, you know, paid the bills, it wasn't as creative and it was kind of soul sucking to be honest, but I did a lot of that. And eventually people saw that I was capable of doing that, but also doing more. I know that you say that a lot of, um, a lot of the early on of freelancing was soul sucking, but we still talk about to this day, some of the best looking stuff we've ever had in our reel 
I, I'm, I'm just interested to know, like, how did you get to that point where you could trust someone fully in that DP role? You know, I, I know you work with Mike, like you'd worked with him in DMP, like, so you knew he was a good shooter, but that was, that was kind of your first time fully taking a step back from the camera world, from lighting and letting that be handled while you paid more attention to the producing side of the shoot and making sure everything schedule was good. Talent was secured, all that stuff. So talk, talk more about that. So let's talk about the idea of spec projects too, to wind it back a little bit. Cause when I went freelance, we did, I did a lot of like one man band shows. I did a lot of videography stuff, um, stuff that I didn't, wasn't creatively fulfilled. Right. And so we wanted to do a spec project for, um, for a local chef and someone I went to school with chef Leon Brunson, but spec was important because spec was a way for you to show, um, clients and other people interested in work that you're capable of doing work because at the end of the day, clients are not going to hire you for things you've never done before. And if they do, they'll give you pretty much pennies because it's a gamble and they're not going to give you a lot of money on a gamble. Um, but anyways, we decided that we want to do a chef's tables inspired film, a promo for chef Leon Brunson. And, I reached out to Mike and pitched him the idea. He was all down for it because at the end of the day, it's going to be a great portfolio piece for all of us. And Mike was coming up from a shoot in South Florida and he so happened to have a red Scarlet W with him on loan from another production company he's working with. Um, another producer, John Rains, who I've learned a lot from. Um, so John Rains, I reached out to him and he rented me a Scarlet W for that shoot and we went out and did it. We found a kitchen in Panama City that was a commercial kitchen that we can film this in. And so we decided to go out there. We asked a lot of our friends um, to become crew and crew in the sense of we really, that was one of the very first times where I wanted to build out a, a small to medium sized crew to have people in specific roles, um, grip, gaff, audio technician, AD. I wanted to try these roles out to see if I could scale up. And it was a fun experience. A lot of, you know, everybody came out and helped us on this project. And um, it was a great learning experience. We shot great looking things and we were able to work in a crew, in a small crew and have everything kind of um, be in, in working order. Yeah. And I know, I know you say you were working with a, a small to medium sized crew. Um, and you mentioned this before, but like that crew was still kind of, kind of blurred the lines between everyone's roles. I'm sure y'all probably had titles working through there, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you still had your hands on a lot of the stuff. Um, and still not able to fully like kind of be that one single producer role. No, no, you're right. I mean, in our market of Tallahassee, we don't have traditional grip or gaffs and grips and, and great, a great market full of, um, like crew. So we got people and a lot of them were PAs. Like, you know, they had experience of PAs, but they were very scrappy. They were hands-on, but at the end of the day, Mike and I were still probably one of the more experienced in the room. And we did a lot of hands-on, like we, we shaped the lights, we moved the lights. Um, we, we made it, we made it look really good. And we knew a lot of that stuff. Um, Mike knew the camera really well. So he handled everything himself, pretty much AC'd for himself, um, pulled his own focus, I believe. Yeah. And um, I hired, like I had someone AD, but at the end of the day, they were just telling me what the schedule was and the time. I made the call on whether or not we were going to go o overtime or under time. Like I was still still mm -hmm. doing directing and, right. and ADing myself. So. so at that point, were you, did you feel secure and, and that like you knew you wanted to pursue the role of being a producer? Like, or, or were you still kind of halfway in, halfway out, just doing what needed to be done? No, I was all in, in in the producer role. But, you know, the matter of the fact is after that that nice little spec job and that, you know, that rush of having that crew, the matter of the fact is that clients weren't paying me at that time to have that big of a crew. You know, so right after that shoot, um, you know, we, we 
I packaged it up, edited it myself, and then sent it out to people. But, you know, people weren't calling at the time for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I still went on as a one-man band for a lot of it. And then I kind of, I think that brings us to us, right? And our working together. So let's bring people up to speed on that and how we started working together. Let's bring it to speed. Let's find the timeline. So I left the marketing agency and went full-time freelance. Yeah, and I think about that time you came and you had a meeting with with my boss, my bosses uh, who I was currently with, the media production company. You came in, they said, hey, this is Ethan. You said, huh? (laughs) Yeah, Ethan was sitting in an editing bay with flip-flops and shorts, pretty much what he's in right now (laughs) um, to this day, still in flip-flops and shorts. Um, But I saw him and I was like, I don't know what that creature is in that corner, but I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, No, but I met with his boss because I really wanted to see what was out there. And I didn't know a lot of production companies in town. And I found out through, I found out about Ethan's production company and who he worked for and kind of their track record. And I was very interested in either A, learning a lot from them by working with them or B, joining their team if they had that that position, which at the time, I don't think they had a position open um, because Ethan was pretty much that role. but that company reached out to me because there was a, f- a position that needed to be filled for a pr- one project, a week long project, camp, uh, some type of political campaign yeah, or series of those oh, political seasons were, were crazy. So they did a lot of that. But then at the same time, Ethan had to go for that same production company to lead another small team in Texas. In Texas. And that was so that was kind of my first foray into like leading a crew. Um, you know, as I said earlier, like I was. I was more of a, a pack and go, I feel like, uh, just loading the cart up, unloading the van, loading stuff back up. Um, but so that, that was kind of my first time kind of taking the reins um, and going on a big project and leading a small crew. It was, uh, it was shooting some, some car stuff uh, out in Texas with, it was literally me, a sound guy, and um, uh, a drone guy. I, yeah, so th- these were still very, like, early on, like, I... I could shoot, but I didn't have the confidence, I think, to, to, you know, go out and do this all the time. But it was, it was, you know, the kind of that first step. I'm not going to lie. When I, when I took over, when I was working on that project while you were gone, I felt like I needed to prove myself to your boss to prove, to prove to him that I could fill in your role when you were gone and that I could also be in that role, not taking your job more say more so, more so like I could also be a good member of your team. Yeah. Do you, would you want to have been a member of that team? After that shoot now, I think the type of stuff you guys were shooting wasn't really up my alley. And um, I remember being on that shoot and you and him getting updates about your project and how you were like, you were, you were doing really well, but there was a drone that crashed at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, the, the drone guy crashed his drone into one of the rental cars on the shoot. Uh, that, that rental car was a talent car, right? It was, it was a talent car. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a sticky situation, but the, all the insurance stuff took care of it. But now knowing Ethan, I know that he was probably really nervous and probably was like, everything is fine type of face, but really deep down dying, not knowing what to do. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that honestly, that's, that's kind of my, um, you know, I, I really like where I am now. I, I don't like leading everything. Um, I, I definitely consider myself more of an introvert. So, so that was, that took a lot for me to go out, fly over to another area and, and, you know, kind of lead these people without anyone else. You know, I was, they were looking to me for, you know, that leadership role. Yeah, we, we got it done. 
And now it's funny because now we do a lot of that ourselves for this, for Orange Video and like us flying out to places, leading a crew and Ethan and I doing it together. Um, us kind of tag teaming it, but me kind of leading that. But um, it's just fun seeing it. And I, I would have loved to have been on that shoot with you in Texas to kind of see how you would you were handling that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. now knowing you, I would have, I would probably be laughing the whole time of how you handled these things. Yeah, dude, that would have been something else. <laughs> so, so after after that Texas shoot, and after you had gone with that week long trip uh, with my boss on, um, I think you you continued doing the freelance stuff. I was still working that company. I know at that point I had I had left the company, and I was f- going full time doing weddings. Um, with I, your wife yeah so my wife and i had started filming weddings while i was working this last company kind of on the side on weekends i i went full-time into it so i was kind of freelancing and then v approached me probably four or five six months into that asking if i wanted to to help on a production i grabbed lunch with him i didn't have many details at that point let's pause at that point because i think you wanted to have lunch with me first early on in your freelance career at, you you reached out to me okay. through a mutual friend Jordan yeah and you said that you wanted to just catch up with me sure um or I'll see what I'm up to and you wanted I think you maybe wanted some extra jobs on the side too yeah probably so I was probably you know very nervous at that point having just gone full time I was wanting to definitely make sure there was a few different sources of income right there so you reached out to me okay I didn't reach out to you wow I've had it backwards in my head this whole time really yeah okay well that's that's good though um so I initiated. But, yes. Um, so yeah. So so we showed up to lunch, sat down, and and V, you know, kind of caught me up to speed on where he was, what he was doing, and then laid it all out on the table. Said he had a two week long production coming up in Panama City that uh, he thought I'd be a good fit for 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 helping. Honestly, I had no other option. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, so I had Mike a, turned you down. I had a two week long production coming up for a for a university, a satellite campus. Uh, it's a satellite campus of a bigger university, FSU. Um, they have a FSU Panama City, where I'm from. I went to school there actually. And so I reached out to them and pitched them this job. They approved it and they gave me a green light to do a two week long production to um, promote all of their academic programs, which was, there was like 20 of them. Um, But anyways, we kept it small. I wanted a three person team. It was, uh, it was me. It was going to be Ethan. Um, Well, I didn't know at the time it was going to be Ethan, but, and then we had a third person named Zach who was kind of like our PA kind of does it all, um, help us out. But when I first pitched it to them, I had no idea who was going to be a part of the crew. I thought I was going to shoot the whole thing myself. Yeah. And, and that would, that would have been a lot. I mean, it was, you know, it was two weeks long. We had an unbelievable amount of interviews to get through, um, and then managing gear. So each, each academic overview video just consisted of interviews about the program and then B-roll to accompany that and to give more context to that story. So we were doing things um, kind of in that format. And sometimes it was out of order, but we tried our best to stay in, in, in order of the program we're shooting. But as I was doing pre-production, I realized that it was going to be a beast because, you know, 20 different programs, you know, each each program has at least three or four interviews. So you're looking at like, I don't know how many do we do 60 interviews yeah, 70 maybe. interviews i don't know the math but there's a lot of interviews yeah. a lot of b-roll scenes and as i was doing pre-production i was really getting bogged down and knew that like this is going to be tough like i've always going to shoot this thing oh it's gonna be really tough to do myself while trying to keep everything on schedule lining people up and actually and knowing all the interview questions and being kind of up to speed with that but um meeting up with ethan i knew he was capable of doing this and you had the experience you had like the gimbal experience which we ended up flying a gimbal yeah um and then we rented black magic 4ks no i think you had a 4k at that point 
Maybe you rented another one. I rented another yeah. one potentially to do two camera interviews. And then Ethan, you know what what really like pulled the like what really sparked that trigger in my mind to hire you was that you told me that your your step your father in law and your father your mother in law had a house uh, like a vacation house thing in Panama City yeah. Beach. So not yeah, only see, do I have to, you, knew I you could, didn't have to put me up in a hotel. I did not have to put him up in a hotel, which was going to be, I had no budget for that. So I found out he had a spot to stay and I didn't know what he was capable of shooting wise at the time. I just said, Whoa, this is perfect. Yeah. But we, so we'd sat down at that lunch and we're talking, um, envy news cause he had worked, you know, done, done that wiggling production uh, with my old boss, but he, he knew I came from a background where I could, I could make do with, you know, only a few lights and make the most out of it. And that was, that was the name of the game for this job because we had, you know, countless interviews, but, um, so being able to be efficient and be nimble and quick, I think was definitely the name of the game for this. And just traveling around the campus. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about, okay, your side of the story. Was this one of the, your, one of your bigger productions then? Oh yeah. I mean, I, um, on my own, I had only done, you know, maybe a couple music videos here and there. I had, you know, and then wedding stuff. Um, so I, I hadn't really shot a whole much in this style setup, you know, interviews, all that kind of thing. But yeah, so it was it was it was pretty daunting. But I think I was excited for the challenge, excited to do something different than weddings. Even at that point, only a few months in to doing weddings full time, I was I was ready to have something a little different. Um, but for you, this so you went out and you you secured you secured this job basically without even knowing who your crew was going to be. Like you just you were yes. a yes man. You you know you you pitched him on this idea, hoping you were going to get by on a wing and a prayer. But it it was definitely a big leap a big step and it could have either gone really badly or could have gone really well which it did and kind of helped to springboard the rest of our careers you know yeah it was it was pretty it was a gamble because i had no like ethan said i had no idea who was going to help me on this project and i knew it had to be good i just didn't know how it was going to be good um i was just more worried about the time of securing my financial future too Mm -hmm. um i went to fsc panama city pitched them on this you know multi-day shoot which was in you know the sheer number of it you know it it got it to a good size budget it still was really cheap per video but the sheer amount of video deliverables uh, the sheer amount of days we were still making decent amount of money from it at that time um, and so I pitched them and I did the due diligence and I went to them and with a, with a presentation, I sat in front of them and pitched it to them. And I think that's why I really sold them on it. So I did all that up front. Yeah. And then once they proved it, I said, Oh no, <laughs> he said, I actually got to do it stuff. Worked. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, and, and Ethan's right. Like that was one of the very first jobs that we both kind of came together and knocked something out of the park and did it well. And I learned how to be a good producer and Ethan learned how to be a better shooter. And we both grew. And, and then from there, we kind of not parted ways, but still kind of went along our own paths for a while, not taking things too seriously. But that was one of the very first times we started working together and continue working together. So let's talk about that. Moving forward, you kept doing your wedding films and you kind of pushed it. You went really hard on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so like I said, I had just gone full time doing weddings and then my wife, Hunter, joined me uh, full time doing weddings. So we were we were in the thick of it. You know, we were we were able to sustain ourselves income wise just off weddings so you guys shared one car too yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it was it was it was great getting to work from home and working my wife was fantastic um i think that's romantic (laughs) but anyway so yeah we uh we were doing that um but you know continually v would ask me to work on some projects with him i think i i started to become your go-to i was his side chick (laughs) okay but so yeah i I was kind of your go-to to to film so you know as you got projects you know i would kind of be on the majority of them there's a few here and there when i had a wedding conflicts and stuff where i couldn't do it but 
but we started to you know form that that working relationship where where I would be, you know, his first call for in order to, to film stuff. Um, and we just kept working at that. Yeah, I thought you were really good and you are really good. I'm just saying like we were we continue to work together and you were my first call every time. And if you weren't doing it, then I would either reluctantly go find another shooter or try to shoot it myself. And, you know, I it got to the point where I would not schedule shoots unless you were on there. So we I really talked to Ethan was like, hey, tell me your schedule. His schedule was pretty full, but I found out his schedule, try to see what works, try to figure out when his busy times are and when his not busy times are. And I would schedule our shoots there. And, you know, at that time it was V-Win Films was a production company, which was kind of my name, LLC as a producer role, but turning more into a legit production company at that time. And we were growing and we were in each, each project got a little bigger. It got, it proved a little bit more. And Ethan was on pretty much each one of those projects. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we definitely did a lot of growing, not, not necessarily in terms of like company size or anything like that at that point, but growing and, and knowledge and how to, to pull off these productions, knowing what gear we needed, uh, you know, learning how to, to budget for the right stuff and, you know, make, make sure that we still made enough on these projects to make it worth it. Um, you know, we learned how to work actual crew members into the mix, all these different roles that were actually able to take care of their role. You know, we learned how to get our hands out of everything, I think. So with each each successive project, we would get more and more into the flow of things and kind of were able to to step back a little more and focus more on our roles. That's not to say that there wouldn't be the occasional shoot and there still is to this day where me and V do go out and do it all. Um, it's just the two of us. But I, I think that's this. It's really when we start to grow and learn how to run a production company. And, at the, and saying this, we still worked out of our own houses. So... So that meant a lot of calls back and back and forth, FaceTime calls. We went over each other's houses and worked with each other on things in our in our garages. We traded hard drives back and forth. A lot of hard drives back and forth um, as we edited things. And so, rough. and at the time, you weren't editing a lot to be honest, because you yeah. had strictly wedding films to edit. Yeah, it was, so you it was were, more special projects. You were literally just shooting most of the time. Yeah, we weren't even talking about you editing for us yet because you didn't have the time. Right. The most I can get you out is to shoot for a day and then you leave. So, and that was fine for me at the moment because it was sustainable in that way. But I knew that it was growing pretty fast. And I remember having the conversation with you after an, an FSU PC shoot, another FSU PC shoot. We have them a lot. Um, I sat, we were in the car driving back to Tallahassee and I was like, hey, whenever you, it comes to the time that you want to start a production company, I'm all in if you want to go all in. And you were still iffy at the time because you you were running a full wedding filmmaking yeah, company. Yeah, I, I think I had mentioned it on the... No, I brought it up. No, I mentioned it earlier on, I think maybe saying like, like, hey man, like we should, we should partner up sometime. Like kind of in passing. Yeah. I don't know if we really like. You weren't serious. I was serious at that time. Yeah, probably so. But, um, but yeah, so, so you, you kind of came back and hit me with that, but I was, I was still, my wife and I were both full time, uh, in the wedding stuff and we, we had our, we were deep in that. Um, and we really enjoyed it. But, um, I think the point that kind of pulled us out of that world was, uh, we were lucky enough lucky enough to uh welcome wonderful little baby girl into the world in 2022 um and we thought it wasn't going to really impede that much on weddings but uh as we kind of got through even just the beginning stages of that um we realized how difficult it was to leave her on the weekends for an entire day and you know just manage all that so we quickly decided that we were going to take a step back from the wedding films uncle v was stepping in a lot during that time filming weddings with oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You I was your wife. <laughs> you were my work <laughs> wife. Um, I, I guess you still are. Right? <laughs> but um, so, yeah. Uh, so we quickly realized that we need to get out of it. So we, we kind of stopped accepting new weddings and we just finished up 
uh, the remainder of our con- uh, weddings that we had on the books, you know, stuff that we we're still contracted out to do. So as we brought that to a close, I was able to um, kind of more fully jump into this production company. I um, mean, you know, I was able to take on more editing projects. Um, I think probably that point is when we realized like, hey, it's it's tough working out of our houses, like going back and forth. We decided we really needed a space. Was it Orange Video at that point yet? Where are we at in timeline? No, I we might have floated that name by. This is still under V1 Films? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. Um, I, we were probably floating the name by, I know I had met, we had messed with like maybe some logos for orange, but it was, it was still very much in the works, but we started looking for a space. I think like last, the, uh, I would say, uh, fall of 2022. Um, I think we started looking at hard cause we, we know one of our past clients, uh, also did real estate. So like he was helping us search for a space and we, we looked at quite a few different options, nothing that really seemed like the perfect spot. And then finally, uh, where we ended up now became available and we, yeah, we, we pretty much jumped on it. And to be honest, when we were looking for spaces, we didn't know if we could afford it because oh, yeah. at the time it was more so we were still, Ethan was trying to transition into our company and, and we were, V1 Films was profitable, but profitable because we had low overhead. Yeah. And let me, yeah, that, that's good to say. But also going from something that you have, you were free, you freelanced, you I, I built this business. My wife and I built this business from the ground up, the wedding stuff. And we um we finally had gotten to a point where we like weren't sweating. We weren't, you know, we were able to sleep at night, <laughs> which is something big to say when you were when you're in a freelancing career. Um, but even so, like it's it was tough to make the decision to give that up and to jump into yet another new thing. And I remember V coming over. Um, I feel like you had a, like a business meeting with me and Hunter um, where you sat down and you went through basically a PowerPoint. I, I'm sure you went through it first with me, but then we, we also kind of shared it with, with Hunter, my wife. Um, and, you know, you had a, a full like multiple multi-page PowerPoint presentation on. My wife told me I needed to present to yeah, you guys San, and, and be serious idea. about okay. it. Yeah. Well, she did good because, yeah, you had a full plan of, you know, how we could continue to grow, what what our profits would look like in the coming years. Um, but even after all that said and done, you know, it's it's still scary. We're, we're still taking a leap of faith. I, I think it was easy for my wife to also get on board um, because whether she wanted to or not, and I think she did, she was she was happy to become kind of a, a full-time mom um, at this stage in, in our lives. Um, so she's been holding that area of our lives down while I've been able to move more into, um, you know, working with Orange full-time and being able to, you know, secure income that way. So a lot of the stuff we've talked about today was kind of our history, our past. Um, some of it's kind of boring, um, and to be honest. And so I think as we move forward with this podcast, we'll kind of learn what you guys want to hear. But I think um, at the end of the day, we want to educate people on, you know, the filmmaking business um, because everybody comes to us and asks us about the business side of things. Not so much, you know, the creative side is there and what we do is creative, but how to turn your creativity into an actual business that's that's sustainable and um, profitable at the end of the day. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first episode of the Grove Podcast. Make sure to join us next time where we talk more about getting into our current space and how we renovated it to turn it into our own creative studio. Um, we're also going to dive into more of the branding aspect of how we came up with Orange and how we branded it. And then we're also going to jump into a look at what our first year of business in this space has been like. <laughs>